Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Honey, you promised you would take the kids to the zoo today. When are you going to mow the lawn? Your parents are coming over and you're not even dressed. You promised you were going to leave your wife for me. Don't let this happen to you. Everybody's working for the weekend, but your family and friends are always ruining your days off. Introducing football season the best way to drown out the ones you love watch grown men run into each other head first marvel as overweight men chase a bouncing ball but the gladiators of today help you disconnect from the worries of the modern world get your 2018 college and pro football seasons today and we'll throw in the sinner and the saints tailgate show presented by frost brewed coors light for free that's right you'll get two football leagues luke anderson if you were at the gym you saw Myers Leonard pull up in a Prius, met him at the swimming pool, but you didn't ever really have a chance to talk to him because he kind of dismisses of you. Would you leave your name and number in his uh, windshield? Will Darkens. Like, I want to see more of the man bag, the alligator skin man And bag. two hours you'll never get back every Saturday morning for one low price. Just turn your dial to 1080. The Fan. Hey, happy Saturday. College football is here. I know we've had three weeks of it, but let's be honest. Pac-12 football is in the house. It's here. It's here. We finally have it. I just saw it. Where? No, that was an old man running by. Is it? Yeah, very old man. Saggy arms. He's got his water bottles on his hip like he's going for a 30-mile jog, but he's going about zero miles an hour. Yeah, that damn, was not. Damn fine arms. Yeah. No. Well, maybe one time. No, last night we had we had we had Pac-12 after dark. We had conference play. You've got Ooh. huge games all over the map of college football today. Oh my god! And now, where is College Game Day? College today? Game Day is in a place called Eugen. Now, no, you're Oregon. putting too much emphasis on e- the E. Eugenie, e- 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 get the U in there. Well, but it starts with an E. I know it does, but it's like phone. What? You know, PH, but the, it's really the, the F. E? In phone is not emphasized the, either. The Eugene. Oh, Eugene. Eugene. Like Eugene Levy. Yeah, college football uh, game day, ESPN college football game day is in Eugene, and the signs are in full force. Uh, if anybody hasn't noticed, and if you're watching, there are plenty of Kevin Durant slants. Yeah, o- almost uh, half as many as there are Willie Taggart slants. Yes. Oh, yes. There's a uh, picture of a snake, and then uh, somebody has so creatively cut out uh, using, I'm guessing, child protective scissors, uh, Willie Taggart's head, and then pasted it right on that snake's face. Do you know why? No. Because he's a snake. Ooh. Ah, taking your dream job, having a mediocre season, and then leaving, let get me, out of town. Let me tell you something. As a Duck fan, that insults me. I had no decision-making power in any of that. Yeah. How dare How dare he go back to his home state and play for the university that he, or coach for the university he always wanted to be a part of? Huh. <laughs> Jerk. Taking a good job in college football. 
Yeah. Isn't he loyal? Yeah. At least he's failing. It is pretty bad that he took a team jet to go meet with them. Well, at least he's terrible. That's pretty skeezy. At least he's terrible. No, listen, There's you can be as mad as you want about it. Just get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Just move on. Well, it's time to pay attention to what's in front of you. It is, and here's what's in front of you. We've got a whole slate of games in college football today. You've got Texas TCU, the battle of mascots with horns. You've got Wisconsin, Iowa, disappointing mostly white guys playing in the Midwest, which is fantastic. You've Who's got the Alabama. stronger white team? Well, let's say, listen, we'll find out today. Yes. Well, right now it's BYU. Well, so, not so much. BYU well, listen, has a... BYU, back-to-back weeks, battle of the white guys for Wisconsin, and they did not beat BYU, and now they take on Iowa. Well, it's that, a very tough challenge. Uh, I think That's a two-week white guy stretch. It's you're really overstating difficult. it. You're overstating because BYU has plenty of poly guys on their team. They have a few, and they have a poly coach, but still. Did I ever tell you that there was a guy who, when we played BYU in the Vegas Bowl, had like three kids, and he was like 33 years old because mm-hmm. he went on his mission? Yeah, we went on his mission, then got married, then had a bunch of kids, then, and then still he said, had his eligibility. Yeah, yeah, still had his eligibility at 33 years old to play football with a bunch of conceivably 19 to 20-year-olds. Mm, conceivably, but there's still a handful of 24, 25-year-olds on those teams. It's, just, it's BYU. It's a whole different animal. Now, is that what Chris Wanky, Wanky did? No, he went and played baseball. Oh. Yeah, that's the other way you come back and play college football at 30, is you go and play baseball, and you get up to AAA, and I almost had my shot, but... You know, I just I couldn't hit the curveball, so I had to go back or, you know, I couldn't, couldn't get my curveball to break enough. It's always a curveball that ruins your baseball career while you're pitching or hitting. Dude, I can't tell you how confused I was in the 90s when they won the national title and Wanky took his helmet off. Yeah. And he was bald, and I was like, wait, aren't they college students? <laughs> plenty of, plenty of bald college students. I played high school football with a kid that went gray in high school. Yeah, he was probably tr- tricking you. He's no. probably an old man. I think he started going gray in junior high. Maybe he was an old man. Ooh, also today, you've got number one Alabama taking on uh, number 22 Texas A&M in a big SEC battle. But where does game day go when they're trying to pick uh, you know, their, their destination, this Eugene you talk about? They go to the best game in college football, don't they? Yeah. At least the most intriguing. And here it is. Your presumed number one overall pick against your Heisman favorite, Justin Herbert. And the Oregon Ducks taking on Bryce Love and the Stanford Cardinal. How yeah. exciting is this? It's very exciting. It's exciting for a couple of reasons. One, Oregon's back, baby. I mean, this well, is the first. Eh. Well, hold on a second. Let me finish my okay. thought. Oregon is back in terms of a national spotlight because okay. uh, game day hasn't been to Eugene in quite a while. And I'm going to. 2014? 2014. That right? Now, that's chip era, right? Or is that Helfrich still? Uh, I believe that was Helfrich year one with Marcus Mariota. Pretty much still some chip backwash, right? <laughs> yeah, the old chip wash. Yeah, that was the chip wash at a time. And so now you're coming back to national prominence where ESPN is having their game day there. You're the national game of the week. You got a Heisman candidate quarterback. Everything's starting to kind of have this uh, come up exciting feeling. And now you got Justin Herbert, who this is your prove it game, right? You haven't had your moment yet. You haven't had your game where you really just drug out everybody out of the trenches and said, I'm going to put the team on my back. I'm going to win this one. This is Justin Herbert's moment more than anything. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, this is this is what we talked about last week. We're going into San Jose State, and everybody's geeked up and excited about it. This is what we've been waiting for. We want to see how good of a college football player is he hasn't played a full season we haven't seen Justin Herbert go out and and take on the stretch because just look back at last year's game against Stanford 
Yep, Braxton Burmeister go three for eight for 23 yards and a 49-7 loss. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, so you, you, you can glean nothing from last year's matchup between these two teams, in my opinion. You can I, glean really nothing from Oregon in these first three weeks. I mean, really. I, I would I, agree with that, too. The, the only thing you really could is the inconsistency at wide receiver, I thought. That, the that's, drops. Yeah, well, not just the drops, but who's your go-to guy? Right. I, I mean, you don't really have anybody that it looks like Herbert feels comfortable throwing the ball to. Yeah, I can I see don't that. Know. Well, but again, it's there, there's two types of consistency. It's, it's having the go to guy, which I don't think is as essential as people make it out to be. It's nice to have a security blanket if you've got a guy that you can just, you know, trust to throw the ball. Schuler. to. But Schuler is the conceived Sure. Perceived. I'm but, sorry. But the, the problem is when you have these home run threats that you can hit in space. And those turn into drops. I mean, that really stifles an offense. But the other thing, the other thing that really gets me is the run game. And there's actually a pretty interesting conversation. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Joey Harrington is a guy that played quarterback for the Oregon Ducks. Makes sense to talk to him. Isaac and Suk talk to him every uh, Friday at 530. Yeah, they do. Suk was saying that the problem with the run game for Oregon seems to be the offensive line. And when you have a veteran offensive line, you need to be able to play better against a team like San Jose State. But Joey countered and said it's the running backs not finding the holes, suggesting the holes are there. So I don't know who to trust, a former All-American offensive lineman in Souk or a guy that played quarterback and going, it's the running back. So I don't know what the problem is. I thought I did, but I have no idea what the problem is with the run game. How come they can't go out and play against a bunch of patsies in the first three weeks and just run all over them, make it easy for Justin Herbert? As good a quarterback as he is, if you have the support of a run game and can actually use play action, how much easier does that make your day? Well, it makes your day a lot easier. And really, I would point the finger in a completely different direction and say it's your formations and your pacing. I think for the so most you're blaming part, the coaches. Well, I what's going scheme. on here? It's everybody's blame fault. Blame the scheme. The scheme, Luke. The okay. scheme. But that's a coach who's put together your scheme. Zipline, zipline. <laughs> what was that show? That was a uh, Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I blame the scheme only because they go out of this formation, right? The pistol where yeah. you get CJ Verdell back there and it's supposed to be a formation where you're kind of putting on the wood, right? You're, you're packing the box a little bit more. You're trying to assert yourself as a power running game, but that's not Oregon's MO. You know, it hasn't been for the past decade. It's about pacing. And it's about getting to the line fast and allowing yourself to get enough play action in so that, you know, people will, People will, or the defense won't know exactly how to line up in the next play, right? Um, if you're keeping the pace up and you're getting your guys running, it's going to cause the defense to not only get tired and kind of get sluggish when they get inside of the box, but then when you give Herbert the opportunity to get that play action going and throwing over the top, you're confusing them even more. It's spreading the defense out. I think this slow pacing of what Mario Cristobal is doing, which has been dubbed the, the uh, speed power offense of what he was talking about in the preseason – I don't think it really works that well. I think I would like to see them pick up the pace and really try to challenge Stanford's interior. Do you think any of this is just them saving their full game plan for? I don't believe that. I I really don't believe that kind of garbage. I I think, you know, coming from a guy who played on teams that were good enough that you got the opportunity to play those kind of games. We played Portland state one time when we were, we were good and we knew it. And it's not like you you take your playbook and then rip it in half and go, that's next week, this is this week. You just kind of have maybe one or two formations where you go, 
we're going to keep that on the back burner for now because that's going to be a basis for a whole new install we're going to do in another week. Yeah. That's all you do. For the most stuff, you do do your base plays, but you're also trying to win a game, right? And to me, really, what I saw was the biggest problem was, yeah, that offensive line. I I think they probably didn't push enough for the running game, but it, it's a whole confluence of things. We're going to find out today. Today's well, the test. Yeah, yeah. well, and the other thing, too, I mean, you mentioned not having the go-to receiver. Who yeah. is Who is your go-to back? I mean, is it C.J. Verdell? Okay. Right now, I don't know. That's the only one who Tony Brooks. Tony Brooks James to me has been completely non-existent, and that's kind of a personnel thing. It kind of makes you think, well, okay, maybe they are doing the whole we're holding him back. But I mean, but you're seeing three and four guys in a series getting carries. Yeah, so it, it makes it difficult. So, like you said, today is the test. You're going to see what they're really made of. They're, they're going to probably simplify the personnel packages and probably add a little bit more uh, interest in their play calling. You would suspect. You would hope. And I want to get Breland more involved. Well, let's let's continue on this. This is a big game. Ducks Stanford. What can you expect from the Cardinal side of things? Uh, a lot of Ducks today. We'll get into the NFL. We've got uh, plenty of uh, Pac-12 football and around college football. You're listening to the Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Georgia just mashing on Missouri. Yeah, this just in. Georgia good at football. Yes. Missouri, eh, not so much. What happened to them? They put on those stupid gold helmets, too. You remember the old good old days of Missouri with Chase Daniel? Oh yeah, when we got all excited. They have him. another Chase qu- quarterback like in that same time period. Like they went from Chase to Chase. No, I think that, I thought they went to Blaine Gabbert. I thought there was another Chase that was there. That, though, yeah, Blaine Gabbert was there as well. Yeah, though but, I will say Chase is an incredible name for a quarterback. I. It's all right if you're into that. I mean, I'm partial to Blake. Don't. Don't, don't what? Don't. Don't what? Don't. We what? have to talk about the Ducks. Yeah, no, we don't have to talk yes, about the Ducks. Yes, we do. No, no, no. Don't. We will us- talk. We, listen, we're talking about the Ducks because this is a huge game, but we will talk about Blake Bortles. Don't. You, versus oh, Ryan you Fitzpatrick. You did it. In the you? Super Bowl. We'll get there. You did it. Don't you worry. You opened up the Bortle. Fitz magic and the Bortle. You opened up a Bortle of whoop butt. <laughs> what now? Whoop butt. Whoop. Watch out. So. We've already got into a little bit what we want to see from Oregon. You need to balance, figure out who, figure out who your stars are on offense, right? We know it's Justin Herbert. Who's going to be the back that you can lean on that can get you dependable yardage? Who's going to be the receiver that ends up being the go-to? I think that's the story that we want to know at least part of the answer to by the end of the Stanford game. But what have you seen from Stanford so far? Because it doesn't seem like Bryce Love is off too much of a start. Obviously, he didn't play last week against UC Davis, but this guy's supposed to be, you know, cakewalking his way to Eisman Trophy. It doesn't appear to be such so far. Stanford is Stanford. All right, moving on. So let's... (laughs) Stanford is Stanford in a way that (laughs) you really can't base much off of really games week to week. It's very difficult. They're, They're a very hard read when it comes to being a football team because I believe David Shaw really doesn't do much in terms of looking ahead. I think he game plans moment to moment. Now, I know you could say that for every coach, but I I think David Shaw genuinely does that where he has this grandmaster plan of saying, I'm going to wear out a defense. When it comes to offense, I will run clock. I will wear out a defense and they will submit to our will and I'll let Bryce uh, Love just go off. Now, given, yeah, he hasn't been as explosive as 
you know, last year. But you saw in that U, uh, USC game, he put the friggin' team on his back and ran him in. Yeah. Here's an interesting stat for you. Are you ready for a stat? We're not really a stat show. I cannot wait for a stat. Let me get my pen out so I can write it down. It's One a big second. Time nope. Stat. Let me find some paper. Give me just a second here. All right. Okay, I got some paper. Good. You got the got pen. A pen. Good. Oregon has allowed 20 points per game, letting up 77 yards rushing in each game on average. They've only allowed 77 yards rushing. Do you think this Oregon offense has the footballs to stop Bryce Love? Uh, The worst read of a stat. This is why we don't do stats because you can't read. Pretty good stat. I guess. Repeat it back. That Oregon's allowed 77 yards on the ground and 20 points to their three opponents that are garbage. They're not garbage. They're hot trash. Bowling Green. Bowling Green, pretty good. Really? Portland State? Nah. San Jose State? San Jose State was... Their best opponent. That's... Yes. That's... Okay. That There's there's all that you need to know. They're not Stanford. So here's my question about Stanford. We got to see Stanford play against USC. We got to see USC play their second Pac-12 game last night. Can you learn anything about the importance of that win now that you've got a one-and-one USC team that kind of held on for dear life against Washington State to get the win last night? Well, the only thing you can really... I don't know, tell from the conference so far is just that, I don't know, it's not that good, really. The quality of play isn't that good, and you really can't tell yet because even that USC-Washington State game, the defense was so sloppy. I honestly think that's what's defined the Pac-12 so far this year is the defense. Defense, Sloppy defense? Yeah, really sloppy, crappy defense. Uh, JT Daniels, he he looks good, but at the same time, some of the receivers that are wide open, you just kind of go, okay, well, I probably could throw to that guy. Sure. Well, that's USC, right? That's USC football is we've got a whole slew of quarterbacks that just walk into the NFL because you just chuck it to the wide open guy. I mean, outside of Carson Palmer, I mean, who's the guy that's had success? Mark Sanchez, Matt Barkley, Matt Leinert. I mean, they just keep rolling in. Matt Castle became an NFL quarterback and never even threw a football or never started a game at USC. I mean, it's a pretty easy place to play quarterback if you have to do it. Now, let me tell you this. Washington State's quarterback, and I have to look up his name because it's uh, really, really pretentious. Gardner Minshew. 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 He's from Mississippi. It's not. You can't be pretentious and from Mississippi. Sounds French. Doesn't it? <laughs> no, not really. That doesn't sound French. Gardner doesn't. Gardner Minshew? Yeah. Not, sounds Southern. <laughs> I like, the, the, when was the last time you seen two college football quarterbacks, both with mustaches? Dirty mustaches at that. They actually looked like brothers. It was kind of weird because you'd see them take off their helmets when they got back to the sideline. And I remember watching the game last night kind of thinking like, God, those guys look related. They look scuzzy. They definitely look scuzzy. There's yeah. no question about that. So, But Gardner, let me say this, dude. That guy can friggin' throw. He was making some high-pressure throws last night, um, like with defenders in his face. And I don't want mean to throw like such a uh, relevant comparison out, but... Uh, he kind of looked like a Baker Mayfield out there, man. Well, if you don't know the Gardner Minshew story, it's worth it's worth noting that he was committed to go to Alabama this year. So Ooh. he started out in a Mississippi uh, junior college, won a national championship there, which got the attention after setting passing records as a high schooler. Then he went to East Carolina, where he was the on-again, off-again starter. Well, the Pirates? The Pirates got his communication degrees in just three years. Go get her. Well, hold on a second. He got a comm degree in three years. He's from Mississippi. 
more impressed? Oh, dude, this guy yeah. is becoming a legend as you speak. So, graduate transfer, and he was going to go, and Nick Saban promised him a job as a graduate assistant because he wants to be a coach after he's done. So his, his plan was to go to Alabama and be their backup quarterback because, as you know, there's a little bit of turmoil there at the quarterback position in Alabama who was going to start, and whoever didn't start was going to leave. So Minshew was going to be their backup quarterback, and uh, then Mike Leach called him up and goes, how would you like to lead the nation in passing? Yeah. Which apparently, I learned this too, that's Mike Leach's line to every single quarterback he recruits. Yeah. Well, it's not that hard. Look at Luke Falk. Well, no, that's, yeah. I mean, it's obviously you can point to history and go, I, I'll make that happen for yes, you. Yes. So that's how he ended up at Washington State. Knew nothing about the program. Got a phone call from Mike Leach. That's what ends up there. But he's got experience. He is a good quarterback, and he does have that tough edge. But they didn't quite have enough to win last night. Let me, let me tell you something. You make a good point because if I was Mike Leach and I was doing some sit-downs with recruits, I would literally just bring film of Graham Harrell and Luke Falk yeah. in my hand, and then I'd sit down and I'd just play it, and I'd go, you think you're more athletic and better equipped to play quarterback than these guys? And, of course, the high schooler would go, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm way better. What will they say? And they're like, I'm way better. i got to throw way better than that. Yeah. And so then Mike Leach will go, okay. I'm here to tell you these two dudes sucked and they <laughs> led the nation in passing. I think you can do that even better. Yep. Well, there you go. So anyways, so that, this, this is what we know of the PAC 12. Now today's going to be obviously a huge game between it. So you, you're suggesting we've learned nothing about Stanford or USC from those, from that game. Well, no, not so much yet. My question actually is how do you feel about um, even though Washington state lost the game, it was a very, very close game. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel about Washington state being, a team that could really compete for the North. It's, it's difficult because they're always going to end up with Washington at the end. And they just, they play so poorly in the Apple cup in, in the Mike Leach era. It's, it's, it's and why is it? They always I used don't to know. beat Washington when they were crappy. Now yep. that they're good, they can't beat them. Well, they used to beat Washington when Washington was crappy too. <laughs> so don't forget that Washington state was bad. Yes. But Washington was terrible as well. Both bad but teams. in the, in the Chris Peterson, Mike Leach matchups, Chris Peterson seems to have a dominant streak going so far. What it tells me about Washington state, it's the team you can't sleep on, which has been the case for the last four or five years where they're going to go and they can beat any team any given week. And then it, Washington state is one of the reasons why the PAC 12 is looked down upon is because they're the gum in someone's hair, right? Every year they come in and knock somebody off. That's supposed to be great. Whether it's, you know, beating Oregon or beating Stanford or beating USC, whatever it is, they'll come in and they'll give somebody a test and they're like, well, they lost to Washington state and Washington state's not that good. And then you get another downgrade hit on on the Pac-12. Hey, Colorado did this a few years ago when they played for the Pac-12 South Championship. Arizona did this for years when they beat Oregon back-to-back -back years with Marcus Mariota. There's always that team that goes in there good enough to beat most teams and they just and they play their best game against the best team and and I think that's what Washington State is again this year. I got an even better one for you. Do it. And the texters, 55305 better you today text line. Who's better right now after the first 3 weeks and you can re you can reserve your judgment until after the Stanford game. Who's better right now do you feel like? Washington State or Oregon? Or Oregon State? <laughs> Go Beavs. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah, you got to cap that. What? Well, we got we got reprimanded for that stuff. Listen, you're a beaver. I, I know, but we okay. gotta we gotta cap it. Oh, you calm down. We'll get into the bees. We'll get into a lot more Pac-12 football in the second hour. But we need to jump over to some NFL news. Baker Mayfield is getting his fit for his Hall of Fame jacket as we speak. They're building the statue out in front of the stadium in Cleveland. We'll get to that right after Will gives you the news. 
Welcome back, Sinner and Saints. Tearing up your Saturday morning, getting you ready for everything that's going on in college football. Boom! Also got Preston Highfield in with us. He's hanging out. He's doing traffic and weather for you. Uh, we'll let him chime in from time to time, so if you hear that other voice, dive in. It's uh, Sup. Yeah, that's Preston. Now shut up. <laughs> All right, bye. Uh, feels like a good time to dive into some uh, NFL football. Um, Whoa. Sorry. Uh, feels like a very good time to talk some NFL football. Did you guys see who the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL is now? I don't think Will's paying any attention in there. He's Will's just staring at the sounds. computer screen with yes. a mad scientist face well, on. Well, I can see where his cursor's going, and he's just sitting here Shut going through. Face. <laughs> Looks like he put in a bunch of new sound for us. It's this old crappy sound. Okay, how about this? I'll get that on my oh, ears. Yeah. Is this any better? This is stuff that he put in a while back, and we never used it because it's all terrible and pointless. It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> You've added a lot to the show. <laughs> that was a song. Thank you. Luke was trying to just engage Will, and Will was just not having it. I got a lot uh, going saying, on back well, here. No, here's what, here's what happened. I got a lot going here's, on. Here's what happens, Preston. I, I come back from the segment. I told Will we're going to talk NFL. He's excited about the Browns because he's he's a huge Baker yeah. Mayfield fan. I am now. But here's what happened. Here's what happened, Preston. I engaged mm. you. Yes. Will got jealous. Yeah. Oh. He immediately got jealous. He's oh. like, oh, you're talking to other boys. Oh, and then, so, so then he goes, he goes, listen, I'm the producer of this show. I'm not just a co-host. I can drop in some worthless sound if I want to. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not even doing that. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He just gets, he gets so jealous of oh. what you and I have. Even though we've known, only known each other a short while, Preston, yeah. he's very jealous of what he I has. I looked at that's your phone. I saw you guys were texting. It's true. We were. I did have Luke on the on the halftime and post game show last night. Yeah. For the nine ten game of the week. Does that it's make true. you I jealous? Mean, well, now we're now we're Clark County buddies, covering high school football up there. We get to talk all the time, and, uh, and Will's Will's been pushed to the you know the peripheral, and I just want to talk pro football. So let's talk pro football. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? You want to talk uh, Josh Gordon, how he's going to now be Randy Moss, mm. or do you want to talk Baker Mayfield uh, being the next great? Half game quarterback ever in the history of the NFL. Well, he already is the greatest half game quarterback ever in the NFL. You know, is that true? What about uh, Nate Peterman? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you know, that whole scene was just great, wasn't it? It feels like the Browns won the Super Bowl. It feels like the Browns were in a movie. It, <laughs> you know, it does. It feels like the. Uh, it very much feels like that. It's yeah. it's remember the Titans or, or we are Marshall or whatever it is. You could make a movie about that win. If you just did the entire last season, we should start writing that script. We can get Kevin Costner back from draft day, right? Plus, uh, we, yeah. Well, plus we had the the fan with the possum in his hand. No, the whole thing. I mean, was, the entire thing was just Cleveland. It was it was epic. You know what? The one thing about this that is driving me bananas because I'm okay with all of it. Love the possum. Yeah. You're 100 right about that. Love <laughs> Baker Mayfield coming back. I love that they beat the Jets, where Sam Darnold was anointed Week One as the savior of the Jets, and they beat him to do it. Here's the one thing that bugs me about this wonderful story is every time I have to listen to some guy that watched Hard Knocks and discovered that Tyrod Taylor is actually Tyrod Taylor mm. and is now pronouncing it as Tyrod because that's what his mom calls him. That's what bugs me. Just call him Tyrod. We've called him Tyrod for, what, since Virginia Tech? Since Lee Corso did it, apparently. Well, that but, was the way it started. But everybody has done it since he's been in college, and he didn't correct anybody on yeah, Hard Knocks. Right. He goes, yeah, my mom calls me Tyrod. I don't really care. 
That's that was the correction. So now you've got all these national puns going. Well, and then Tyrod got hurt, and I'm like, ah, just call him Tyrod. I think it's a the great lead. quarterback name. What? You're burying the lead. What? Am, yeah, I am. Care about Tyrod Taylor? It's just bugging me. I, am, can I not talk about my feelings on this show? Can, Will? But I'm going to talk Jealous. about Mr. Baker Mayfield. Do it. Do dude, it. Is your jersey on its way? Dude, that guy's release is friggin' vicious. Like, it, it, like he obviously, you know, I think a lot of us had doubts about him in the preseason because we saw him play and you saw some bright spots and then you saw him being a rookie and you just go, okay, give it a half season, give it a full season, let him kind of sit in and get settled and everything. But when he went out there, dude, he knew all of his checks, he knew all of his reads, and he just got that ball out so fast. And here's the other thing about it. Jets defense is pretty good. Yeah, they're not bad. It's actually really good. And their pass rush is formidable enough that it, like it completely ruined Matt Stafford's first game. I mean, that doesn't say much because now you even saw him against the 49ers and he was bad. But well, they knocked out Tarod. Yeah, they did <laughs> knock out Tarod. I, I think Baker Mayfield is somebody who you just got to ride it with, right? You got to just kind of say this was great, but we know the bad game's coming. It's the same thing as Sam Darnold, right? The first game, you know, his first NFL pass was a pick six. It was really funny. Uh, <laughs> And then, you know, he kind of became the savior of the Jets. And then you have these two performances against Miami and against the Browns where it's not so impressive. That's okay. If you're a Jets fan, if you're a Browns fan, just expect that it's going to happen and write it out. Well, here's here's my favorite thing about this story is the the Browns could very easily have come into this game 2-0. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. And they oh, could yeah. be 3-0 right now. I mean, yes. think of think of how they had to lose those games. I mean, obviously they tied in week one, mm-hmm. but they had to fire their kicker after last week. I mean, they were in position where you're already going, all right, this team is better. Yep. And then you're starting to look at Hugh Jackson going, all right, well, if you want to go with the veteran quarterback. <laughs> Hugh Jackson's such a fraudulent coach, dude. He is a fraud. He's like, he's like two and 35. Yes, I understand that. But it's also, it, it, but <laughs> no, they've, like, they've, no, also, like... <laughs> they've also sold this idea of the, the advanced analytics in Cleveland. And they're, they're saying, trust the process. <laughs> and, well, no, but this. Again, this is why it's such a good, stupid movie. But they go, we're going to get in better players. We're going to get in high character guys. And what do they do? <laughs> Running high analytics. Yeah, they brought oh, the baseball wait. guy. What's so his name? Fun. So Pietro? It's Moneyball. It is. Moneyball. Hey, listen, I'm not. You know what's Moneyball? Is starting Baker Mayfield, the number one pick well, in the draft over the fraudulent Tyrod Taylor. Exactly. Why did it take so long for that to happen? That's what I'm saying. You're, But you're dead on right. They go, they go. we're going to make all the right moves. We're going to stick with our coach as a process, right? We're going to go with the veteran quarterback. We're going to go in and we're going to go with these analytics. We're going to do everything right. And then it's, and then finally, the only thing that wins them a game, it's like, just put the football player out there. Let the guy yeah. that the guy that we drafted number one put him in there. Yeah. Like that's all you have to do to win football that's games. The, put in the best football players. The best part about Cleveland it's, winning is that their fans could have made that decision that, to put, that, to, to put him in. And the only way that happened is because Taylor got hurt. It, and then they, he went into the concussion tent or whatever and had to stay out. Exactly. They stick with the guy that was, <laughs> is now 2-32. and 32. That's some serious money ball yeah. right there. It's how, not It's not would, rocket surgery. Put in the guy that's good at football. Put would, in the guy that, how many Heisman trophies does Tyrod have? Just throw in your rookie. How, how impressive is it that Hugh Jackson has got as far as he has with a name like Hugh? <laughs> well, Hugh Jackman. And a fra- Hugh Jackman's name's not all that different. He's doing just fine. And a fraudulent record. Two, oh, two and thirty. Not even five. Fraudulent. He doesn't even hide from it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's funny. We look at it and they go, the Browns went six hundred and thirty-five days without a win. Hugh Jackson did too. It's pretty good for Hugh. 
I'll tell you, but the state of Ohio, I don't know what they're doing. Marvin Lewis has never won a playoff game. He's been there 16 That's true. years. That's, they, the, Bengals are, the Bengals are kind of back right now, though. <sighs> Andy Dalton's kind of back. Oh, they, no, they look good. Back, oh, from where? back from where he's going to get back into the playoffs and not dude. win another game. Dude, cut his mic. He's going <laughs> to finish with 104 yards passing in their in their playoff game. They're going to lose like 34-7. Yeah, it's going yeah. to be delightful. They're not back from anywhere because they've never been anywhere. Until he's sarcastic. Boomer, until I thought you guys were going to pick up on the, sar- on the sarcasm. No, you're not very good at it. Okay. Okay. Terrible. That's true. I have yeah. to say, though, I think it is pretty smart that the Bengals have kept Marvin Lewis because – <laughs> because you could be in a situation like you are with the Browns where you you realize way too late that you should just stick with a coach for a little while. Like, I, I think for the most part, the Bengals, yeah, haven't won a playoff game, but I mean, dude, at least they've gotten to the playoffs. Dude, look at the run the 49ers went on for the last decade. Before Harbaugh, after Harbaugh, they were rotating through catch coaches like crazy. Yeah. Mike Dolan, Mike Singletary. They've mm-hmm. had Jim Tom Sula as a head coach. You're exactly right. If you decide you're going to go and have a, a new coach every mm-hmm. year, you're going to be wrong most of the time. It's time to get to good versus evil. That is next. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Hold on. Stall longer. Uh, I'm going to keep saying words while Will figures out how to use a computer. you got to stall longer. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the, What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants. 808 on 1080 The Fan. Before we begin, breaking news. Georgia's kicker wears glasses. I was just going to interrupt you to say that, but I didn't want to. I remember that from last year. Can you be any more, like, it's called contact, disliked dude. on a team? It's like, what are you doing? It's fantastic. He's, like, one of the best kickers in the country, though. He is. He's, he's, blank and shit. he's really good. Yeah. Take the glasses off. Yeah. Guess what? He saw that go right through the uprights. Oh, hey, look at you. Woj is reporting it right. I mean, Tibbs is coaching for his job. Tibbs wants to win every single game, and they're going to have to pry Jimmy Butler out of his hands, and that's going to require Glenn Taylor coming in and taking literal ownership of the situation and say, we just can't go into the season and risk losing this guy for nothing. That was knowledgeable yet excruciatingly boring ESPN NBA writer Zach Lowe. He was talking about the Jimmy Butler drama that took over sports media for just a few days this past week. The five-time All-Star requested a trade from the Minnesota Timberwolves to the Los Angeles Clippers. Sources say he's looking for a team that will sign him to a five-year max worth $190 million. The Clippers have the money, but not so much the assets. Do you see the Trailblazers making a play? Oh, really? You're doing this? Jimmy Butler. Oh, shut up. What? Uh, yeah, listen, CJ McCollum's going to do Photoshop. I'm also looking for a team to sign me to a five-year, $190 million deal, too. If anybody's listening out there, if the Blazers want to sign me for that kind of money, I'll sit on the bench next to Myers Leonard. Um, y- yes, I... If you're, a, if you're a general manager, I think you see what kind of interest level there is and what kind of pieces that a team like Minnesota is asking for in return. Do I think the Blazers can actually make it happen? Probably not. Kyrie Irving is ranked 20th. Where should he be? He should be in the top 15. Like, he is that good. And I know what ends up happening. We see it with Kawhi on this list. When you get injured, people forget how good you are. 
Broncos man who's constantly buffering, Jalen Rose, he's attempting to express disbelief at ESPN.com's latest top 100 NBA player list. Some Blazer fans are going to be happy to know that we got two, count them, two dudes that clocked in in the top 30. CJ, that's CJ McCollum. And Zach Collins? CJ McCollum took the number 30 spot, Jennifer, and Damian Lillard made his first appearance as the top 10, one of the top 10 best players. He took the 10 spot. Of course, this sparked Twitter outrage because Kyrie Irving was ranked 20th, and many people on the East Coast believe Kyrie Irving is better than Damian Lillard. What do you think? It's about staying healthy. It's funny how much Jalen Rose is trying to defend the talent level, but how many great players have been, you know, mediocre because they couldn't stay healthy. Bo Jackson was the greatest football player in the world for a little while, and then he got hurt, and then he never played football again. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the all-time leading scorer because he's a seven-footer that really never missed a whole lot of significant time in his career. LeBron James is a marvel because he's always out there and he's always healthy. It... Yeah, Kyrie Irving's good when he's available. He's not always available. Even when he's in Cleveland, wasn't always available. So, yeah, I think you should lose points for being hurt. Did you see Jake Lehman made the list? No, where was he? 100,000? No, I'm just kidding. Right. Never no seen it ever. Pop Warner, high school, college, pros. Never heard of it, never seen it. And it's just completely disrespectful when to did, his teammates. Did he say anything to you? Did, as a veteran, did he say anybody to anybody? He didn't say nothing to nobody. That was Buffalo Bills linebacker and man who pulls off being bald, Lorenzo Alexander. He's talking about a completely normal human reaction to playing for the Buffalo Bills that happened this week. In week two of the NFL season, quarterback Vontae Davis abruptly retired at halftime of the Bills 31 to 20 loss to the Chargers, saying later in an Instagram quote, uh, uh, I'm sorry, post quote, I shouldn't be out there anymore. Every gas bag on the radio took this opportunity to crap on Davis for his lack of commitment to this alleged quote-unquote team. Can you actually sympathize with Vontae Davis? Yeah, I think he retired because he felt like he couldn't do what he had done for 10 years in the NFL. It's not that he was going, I don't want to be a part of this team. I think he was embarrassed realizing that he had lost a step. And, you know... You see it all the time where these NBA players hang on a little bit too long and they end up getting injured throughout the the course of the year. But when you're a corner, when you're in the defensive backfield, if you lose a step, you get torched constantly. It's not like you can make up for it with your offense or make up for it with your three-point shooting. In the NFL, you get exposed and you look bad, you feel bad, and I think he just had that reality check going, hey, I don't have, I can't do what I used to do and I don't have it anymore. Dude, I, I was so frigging tired. Like everybody saying, <laughs> this guy can't give up on his team. It's like, screw you, dude. Yeah. Do you know how bad the Players Association gets treated by teams and by the league itself? Yeah. yeah, the guy made a selfish decision because it's a selfish league. Very much so. Dude, if he yeah. wants to leave at halftime, screw all you. Let him leave. <laughs> Who cares? And the team sport. It's not a team sport. It's, it's no. not. It's a league sport. It's about how much can we milk from you from your talent in a 10-year window before we can dump you. Yeah. I I was just so tired of that narrative. I 100% agree. All right, time for my favorite story of the week. This one comes from the world of science. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to try to be as scientific as I can. Good luck. The psychoactive drug, drug known as ecstasy can make people feel extra loving towards others. And a study published Thursday suggests it has the same effect on octopi. 
Octopuses are almost entirely antisocial, except when they're mating. And scientists who study them have uh, to house them separately so they don't kill each other or eat each other. However, octopi, given the drug known as MDMA or ecstasy, E, molly, or any other slang term, wanted to spend more time close to other octopi and even hug them. Who's the guy that came up with the idea? Let's give him some molly. Why, why is this even a, a, a why? Why yeah. are we even? Uh, this octopus sure is antisocial. Yeah. Let's give him ecstasy and see how he does. It's a great drug for hot tubs. Maybe they'll like it because they're already in the water. I, like, why is this a thing? Why did we need to make octopi? Yeah, cuddlier. Are, are, each other? are they not doing well? Is the number one threat to octopi octopi? And are we going to start filling the oceans with ecstasy? It's like octopi on octopi violence. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, if it's a number one threat, maybe that's a reason to do it. But who's the kid in the back of the class that raises his hand and goes, what if we just give him some ecstasy? That always makes me happier. Well, I, I don't mean to, like, kind of crap on my own story, but who didn't see that coming, right? Yeah. Like, if you give ecstasy to anything, I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty happy. Like this, uh, okay, so this guy who led the study, this neuroscientist who, by the way, from the U of O, quote, <laughs> I was absolutely shocked that it had this effect. Really? Really? You were shocked? University of Oregon guy? That you gave somebody ecstasy how and they he, got cuddlier? How is is the ecstasy octopus scientist from University of Oregon not the celebrity picker today? Should be. That's what I'm saying. And get the octopus on stage, too. Can we talk about the overdoing it with the Animal House thing at game day today? Well, we can because all hour two is going to be about is game day. and How awesome game day is down in Eugene, which, by the way, they had a really good showing. Oh, yes. A lot of people. Well, all right. Well, let's let's start hour two there and we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that next. It's the Center and the Saint. Uh, but first, I want to thank our friends at 808 for supporting Good versus Evil. Uh, 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodside and uh, Woodstock. Whoa. Uh, they are the Titan of Hawaiian restaurants. Go eat thing. Hawaiian food. What's yeah. that? It's yes. Yeah. I know, but I, I'm frazzled because I'm thinking of the Wolverine that handed Lee Corso the duck. I think you're hung up on the octopus. I am. And I'm on Molly. All right. Hour two. Next. Center Saint, 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.